Once again, we had much to discuss on the mild weather front because, first of all, it was really foggy this morning. And then later on in the show, we learned that the Forks has had to close the river rink and their landscaping. And the Cinnabuin Park has closed the duck pond and their toboggan hill. So it just so happened that we were checking in today with Frosty Face Manitoba, a man who loves celebrating winter, particularly the deep cold winter. So we wanted to know. Is this mild weather ruining his winter fun? And Global Sam Brownell joined us with a great story of being mistaken for a Winnipeg jet. And we wanted to know, have you ever been mistaken for somebody famous? I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling. We are Mackling and McGarry. And this is the Tuesday, January 30th podcast for The Start. Is... Mackling and McGarry. Drew Stremick is actually going to join us in our next segment to talk more about the mild winter. I'm curious, Greg, I meant to ask you yesterday, and we was kind of quiet on our text line in terms of the roads. Did you notice where the roads slippery at all yesterday or today? Pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. You know, uh, I'd like to see. uh, I know it's expensive. And as a taxpayer, I appreciate when the city of Winnipeg is minding the dimes and quarters and maybe not being out there as often as they could or some of us would like them to be, but I know that those sidewalks could still use some TLC and also some of the main routes where the where the slush has really built up against the curb, get out and clean up some of that stuff. But I think Mother Nature probably going to take care of a bunch of that. Yeah. Over the next couple of days. And then on the residential streets, like on my bay, it's not too bad. They did the residential clear, what was it, about two and a half weeks ago. They did, I thought, a really good job. We had a dusting of snow. I think the residential streets could get a little sloppy over the next few days because there's that thin layer of snow and ice mm. that remains. But other than that, pretty good. Yeah. Probably a longer answer than you wanted, Brett. No, that's that's good because I... I my concern with this mild weather where it's just above zero during the day and then back below zero at night is that it would potentially cause some problems, particularly on the highway. So please feel free to let us know if you're experiencing anything troublesome. But you you make a good point on the sidewalks as well. Like I went for a walk last night down to the Forks and uh, there are lots of spots on the sidewalk that are just bare which is great, but the ones that are not, you you have to be careful. I mean, it's just part of going for a walk in the winter. You got to be, you got to be careful. And I walked down to the forks and walked on the, along the the trail beside the river. And yeah, there were spots where I was very much doing the, the penguin shuffle (laughs) to make sure that I stayed on my feet, even in my winter boots. And uh, I went down to take a peek at the rink which, you know, there were a few people. I went down at like 7 o'clock last night, so it wasn't super busy. But uh, even the rink looks uh, quite wet. And I don't know if that's because they had flooded it or if it was just melting or whatever. But, uh, I mean, it was a beautiful night, beautiful walk. You just got to be, you got to watch where you step. The dichotomy of the, the outdoor rink always <laughs> makes me chuckle because you think it's got to be cold enough in order for water to become ice. Yeah, We don't have to go into a science lesson there. But the idea that, oh, here we are, we're going to have these glorious temperatures and where you want to be outside. And there's a really good chance that at some point over the next several days, they're going to have to say, yeah, it's great. We love that you're here, but we can't let you on the rink because if we let you on the rink or let you on the 
on the skating trail, you're going to damage it for when it gets colder. <laughs> so we'll certainly keep our eye on that. I mean, here we're hoping that doesn't come to that. And uh, because I, I, I it, they have opened it. They like, if they didn't think they could do it, I don't know. But on the subject of winter enjoyment at nine 35, we're going to check in with somebody we've spoken to a few times over the years. He goes by the moniker frosty face, mm-hmm. Manitoba on social media. And he loves winter and lives I, for it lives for it. The whole page, his whole page is celebrating your frosty face. He invites Manitobans to send pictures, selfies of your frosty face. If you're outside in the deep cold and say you've got a beard and your beard's all frozen up, I often will send him super close up shots of just my frozen eyelashes and eyebrows uh, because, and my, my face warmer, which is black is essentially white because it's frozen so I enjoy participating in that. And he goes for like jumps in the lake, cut, carves out piece of the ice and he That's and right. his whole family. Yep. They're into that whole cold water plunge idea and, and the cold water. There's a guy I follow on Instagram. He's from Winnipeg, but he has followers from all over the world. And he does a cold plunge. I think he's on like day 800 in a row. That he's done this. Okay. And I know this has become a real phenomenon. I know some people that do it as well. And they say, it'll change your life doing this cold plunge. I I want to learn more about that. We should probably try and uh, connect with somebody over the next couple of days to find out the benefits, the risks, and also just the idea of getting exhilarated from freezing <clears throat> your nasty bits. You know, like, why are you enjoying that? I've never understood when you see, and I I get it, I guess, but when you see people who are fit or people who exercise and then take an ice bath yeah. after yeah. and just watching somebody get into, like fill up the bathtub with ice and water and then get in there and hang out for it. I don't, I don't get it. So life in the cold tub, not for me. I'd maybe try it once. It's not like gross food or something, but no, not like I might live in Manitoba, but I hate being cold. Hate it. Why would I do that purposely? Mackling and McGarry, a couple more weather notes from our listeners, GMAC. Yeah, Todd saying potholes. Yes, I was thinking about that on the way in. I forgot to mention it. Todd, one of our loyal listeners, reminding us, hey, as it melts and gets warmer, uh, can we call it first spring yet, Brett? I, I don't know. It might be too early in the calendar. But yeah, for sure, we're going to start seeing some more potholes. So keep your eyes open for that. A great reminder from Keith. Not everyone has that light in their vehicle that reminds you in the pish pish, the, the windshield washer fluid is the low. Pish, pish. The pish pish. Uh, <laughs> make sure you, you know, keep it full folks because you're going to need it and it's going to be empty when you need it the most. And uh parish also reminding like headlights are great, but if you don't have your tail lights on to be seen, seeing's great. Being seen is almost as important, if not more so. I was going over the Disraeli yesterday and Big van didn't have their uh, taillights on, mm. and it's like they appeared as if out of nowhere. All right. So if you've got any other weather notes, 
to share on what you're seeing out there this morning, feel free to shoot us a text when it's safe for you to do so at 204-780-6868. We've got a couple of things we just want to touch on here, starting with something that actually ties into our 680 CJOB Health Series, because tomorrow we're going to be discussing medical assistance in dying. Well, Greg, we learned something about that yesterday. That's right. The expected federal expansion of medical assistance in dying to people whose sole condition is mental illness has been put on hold following a joint parliamentary committee report found fundamental issues have not been resolved. Personally, gigantic sigh of relief on that one. As Global's Sean Preville explains, Ottawa still needs to table legislation to enact the pause, and time is already running out to do so. A section of Canada's medical assistance in dying law that excludes people whose sole condition is mental illness was set to expire this March. Now, Health Minister Mark Holland says the government agrees with the new report that warned Canada is not ready. We agree with the conclusion uh, that the committee has come to uh, that the system is at this time not ready uh, and more time uh, is required. The federal government has been facing a March 17th deadline over the issue. That stems from a 2021 expansion of May that excluded mental illness from eligibility, but only for two years. Ottawa had already pressed pause last year after Canada's top psychiatrist voiced concerns. The government also brought back a parliamentary committee to study if medical professionals were ready for the expansion set for this year. But on Monday, a joint parliamentary committee report said fundamental issues around the expansion have not been resolved. The Conservatives also released a dissenting report saying it would be reckless and dangerous for the schedule change to occur in March and want the Liberals to abandon the expansion altogether. The Health Minister says a response to the report will be tabled in the House of Commons, delaying expansion of the criteria, but that needs to be passed before March 17th. Sean Preville, Global News. Yeah, I like this pause and I might be in complete agreements with regard to the idea of of putting that and scrapping that idea of expanding anything that has to do with mental health. I I haven't seen anything, Brett, that would convince me that that's a good way to go to allow people who are in the worst state of mind they may have ever been in their life. And when you talk about suicide rates and the the idea of of ending your own life in that state of mind uh, makes me makes me personally very uncomfortable. All right, so we'll have much more on this tomorrow through the day as part of our CJOB Health Series. Also today, we are going to continue to look into this. As uh, Sarah's been telling you in the news, Winnipeg couple says they were told to turn off the security cameras in their home or risk losing home care services for an elderly parent. Global's Catherine Dornian has more on the policy and why it's left the couple feeling uneasy. Good morning was great. I checked in for a while and got up in time for the nurse. Glenn and Jennifer Ferris take care of Glenn's mother, Sandra, who is partially blind and deaf, has bladder issues and trouble with mobility. I do her laundry, I feed her meals every day, I make sure she gets her medications. I mean, it's just what you need to do. When they're at work, Sandra is checked on by home care workers from the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority, who the couple says have been coming two to three times a day for a year. But the couple were told last week that care would be stopped unless they turned off security cameras in their home's entryway. She goes, well, you can't have those. You have to have them turned off when a home care worker comes in. And we said, no, we have to have those on like for our protection. They also have cameras in some private rooms where they say home care workers had previously gone when told not to. They say WRHA told them those had to be turned off as well. Glenn says they need the cameras for safety and are questioning why the health authority's policy is so strict. But I even told them that you're not, they're not being filmed directly in the room doing 
right. medical service, right. which is the same if you go into a doctor's office. You're not being filmed inside a doctor's office, but the hallways are monitored. WRHA did not provide an interview Monday, but said in a statement they, quote, have an obligation to ensure all staff have working conditions that respect their right of safety and privacy. This includes their right to not be recorded while performing their work. Glenn and Jennifer say without home care, they would have to find a way to do it themselves while juggling their jobs. You know, we're in a position where at least we're able to help my mom. What about the situations where they're not able to? Like, say, you know, the, the children, you know, live somewhere else. For now, the couple says they're choosing to get Sandra the care she needs, even if it comes at the cost of some peace of mind. Catherine Dornian. Global News. So on the f- healthcare front, Brett, and the idea that this family's doing everything they can to help their loved one age in place, I'd, I'd kneel, bend down to them. I'd thank you for that. And the fact that they're prepared to do all that and willing to do all that. And then on the flip side, how many of us in our workplace have the benefit of a no camera, a camera-free zone? I mean, we know even people who are working from home in this day and age of remote work, Brett, they're having every fr- I almost said something I shouldn't have. Every every keystroke, like your 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 computer activities being monitored, is a way of of monitoring your production. I think it's pretty commonplace. I don't know how many cameras we have in our workplace, but I'm sure it's less than a hundred, but more than two. It is Mackling and McGarry. Greg, what are we talking about today? So the other day, I guess this is about a week and a half ago, I'm walking through the newsroom and it just struck me. I'm like, you look like a jet. On the other, uh, on the other end of that comment, joining us by phone right now, Sam Brunel, who's a reporter here at 680 CJOB Global News. Morning, Sam. Morning, guys. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for doing this. Uh, about 45 minutes before you officially start work, you're, you're a trooper, you're a real teammate. And so speaking of teammates, I asked you if you'd ever look, been told that you look like a certain member of the Winnipeg Jets and you just kind of your shoulders sunk and you said, yeah, I get it all the time. <laughs> you look like Dylan Sandberg. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally, it's hard for me to see because it is, me, but it, I actually started getting it when he was first called up to the team, like, I guess, two or three years ago now. Someone sent it to me on Instagram and just said, hey, congrats on being called up. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of, I've been getting it ever since. Now, you had a, you know, the reason that I wanted to bring you on today, because you told me a story that really, you know, validated uh, anybody who thinks you look like Samberg. Tell us what happened in the, uh, in the, uh, in the restaurant the other day. Absolutely. So I was downstairs in our building grabbing lunch one day and um, the the restaurant down there is run by a handful of really great women. And one of them, as I went to go up and pay, she looked at me kind of funny and said, what's your name? I said, oh, it's Sam. She goes, I was watching the Jets game last night and you look just like Dylan Sandberg. And I, have, of course, probably had the same reaction as when you told me I chuckled and said, yeah, I actually get that quite often. And she said, could I take a picture with you to try and trick my son to say that Dylan Sandberg is coming here for lunch? So uh, of course I obliged and uh, we took the picture and 
a week or two goes by and I'm, I'm back down there once again getting lunch and uh, she says, oh, I wanted to give you an update. Like my son believed me. He was freaking out. He, he couldn't believe it. But then he goes, wait, shouldn't Dylan Sandberg be in Tampa Bay with the team right now? <laughs> so I, uh, I, I think he put it together eventually. The gig was up. Sam Brunel, you even have the name, goes with it. Appreciate the story, man. That, 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 that's some uh, next-level stuff. Appreciate it, brother. We'll see you in a bit. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. So the question then today for you at 204-780-6868, have you ever been mistaken for someone famous? Tell us a story for a chance to win, and we'll pick a winner at nine nine fifteen. Cameron Poitras. When I asked you about this this morning, you said, "Yeah, I get this a lot." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my my twin brother Shane. I uh, get confused for him all the time now. Yeah, well, I actually do do that, but I do get that. Uh, Zach Galifianakis. Apparently, I look like him. Uh, I've been getting that ever since the first Hangover movie came out. And I grew a beard, and it's just been my life ever since. Richard Cloutier here at 680 CGOB. Uh, it's one of his favorite uh, jabs at me, too. So always uh, always appreciate that. I really? can see it. I can see it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We should put two ferns, uh, one on either side of your desk. <laughs> you should wear yeah. a satchel. Yeah. <laughs> carry a little baby. Well, yeah, we'll carry a baby. Have a wolf t-shirt. It's pretty sweet, that wolf t-shirt, you know? There's Just your the next Halloween costume. Wolf back. Yeah, I'd have to dress up for Halloween, but yeah, that would be a good one. Sarah, what about you? Well, I haven't been mistaken as this person, but I have been told a few times, just by random people, I, like the most recent this past fall sometime. This was before I made my hair a little bit darker heading into the winter, so still had some like blonde in there a little bit, but still on the like dirty blonde brown side that I was stopped in Costco. Um, I was like perusing the clothes section and uh, some woman stops me and she's like, oh my gosh, you look like Amanda Bynes when in the 2000s, like when she <laughs> in the 2000s. Um, so yeah, when she did like Sydney White, all those like rom-coms uh, before when she was on the Amanda show and on Nickelodeon. And, I, and then I've been stopped a few more times since and I just don't see it myself. I think, like Sam said, you you mentioned it today, and I was like, "Oh my god, you do!" I was a big, I was a big fan of the Amanda Show. I grew up with that, Uh, and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's. I can make some references, but like two people would get it, so I'll just save it to myself. Sarah McCarthy, time traveler, something like that. (laughs) Moody's Point, Sterning Spaulding. Okay, I'll just leave it there. Jeff Forte, what about you? Okay, well, Mackling always says I look like the boob. Like I've never been like. I don't hey. think you look anything like Buble whatsoever. Oh, uh, Give me a break. Not even in the slightest. Oh. I need, well, okay, if I had blonde hair, more blonde mm. hair, then yeah, you know, I could see it. I got called up when I was working at Little Caesars as well. Uh, but you know what? Has anyone ever seen the movie Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler? Yeah. 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 Okay, well, some people say that I look like this character. Crazy eyes. What? What? Hey. <laughs> How you doing, pal? I got your pizza for you just the way you like it. Oh, yes. <laughs> French fries and Oreos. You know me all too well, Deeds. What are you in for? I'm doing a one-nighter for biting Ed the Mailman. Guy was trying to cast a spell on me, you know, like a wizard or something. Are you sure about that? I don't know. Maybe he was just waving. <laughs> hey, who are your friends? Oh, this is Chuck and Cecil. They're from New York. I don't like them. Okay. Nice seeing you. So, yeah, people say I look like crazy eyes from Mr. Deeds. That's uh, Steve Buscemi. 
Oh yeah. Okay, you look okay. like my. You look like Buble. <laughs> <laughs> Take Buble. I, I, I'd forgotten about Mr. Deeds. I had to look that up, but yeah, I see it. Forte. I think you look like from Family Guy. You look like the porcupine who's excited to meet the pineapple. Hey, good looking. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> you sound like him too. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, good the looking. patented Forty laugh. <laughs> and the porcupine's talking to a pineapple, by the way. Yes, I said that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and uh, Mackling. Oh boy, uh, if you thought the Amanda Bynes reference was going way back in the time machine, how about the movie Meatballs? So you have to be a certain generation. Bill Murray and Chris Makepeace. Here's a, a tiny piece of that. How's the like? Okay. Yeah, for now. But if you don't win, we cut it off. Okay. Here's the thing. On open ground, this guy could probably take you. But you're running through the woods, you got a chance. You're smaller and you can run through the bushes a little fast. You can duck underneath them. You know, you're like a little rabbit, okay? You're, you're Woody to Wabbit, okay? When you're running, think I'm Woody to Wabbit. I'm Woody to Wabbit, okay? All right. What's your name? Woody Gurner. No, it's not. It's Woody to Wabbit, okay? Woody to Wabbit. What's your name? Woody to Wabbit. Woody to Wabbit, the winner. You're the winner. Woody, go out. Yeah, so I was in Eaton's place once upon a time, and a young woman who was serving me in a T-shirt store or something, she was, she was certain I was Chris Makepeace. So y'all have to Google that. It's very <laughs> obscure. But uh, if anything, it's an excuse to watch one of the best movies of all time. Certainly one of the best Canadian movies of all time. Meatballs. 204-780-6868. Have you ever been mistaken for somebody famous? Tell us a story for a chance to win tickets for the show. We are going to announce at 9.05 and we'll pick a winner at 9.15. Global News of Sarah McCarthy is next. It is. Mackling and McGarry, we're asking you this morning if you have ever been mistaken for somebody famous. I have not, but if you look up, uh, Winnip- just go to YouTube and look up Winnipeg Gold Buyer. There's a commercial from at least 10 years ago. Someone sent me the link for it and said, when did, when did you do this commercial? <laughs> and I watch and like, I said, What? I wasn't in a commercial for a gold store and I go to this, this ad and I, I was like flummoxed because it does look very much. I could see why people thought it was me because similar appearance, similar facial expressions, similar mannerisms. And I was wondering like, is this person related to me? Cause I, and it looks like about the same age. So, (laughs) Clean shaven, clean shaven. So that sort of throws throws things off because you sent it to me yesterday and right away because I have seen you without the beard, as my boys would call it once upon a time. Nice (laughs) beard, dad. Uh, I would say 100%. I could understand why people would think that maybe it was you. Yeah. Wild. Not famous, but uh, I've had, and I've I've been, and I wonder if this is the same person because I've never been mistaken for somebody famous, but I have had people come up to me in the bar and start talking to me and then realize that it's not. Oh, that's interesting. So I have, there is a doppelganger. I have a doppelganger. All right. All right. Excellent. Now, do they have eyelashes like yours? Because you have like world-class eyelashes, Brett. (laughs) Like, was it Joey? Costanza was the hand model, right? Okay. Uh, Joey had the hand 
twin, you should be an eyelash model. <laughs> there is such a thing. <laughs> Maybe I should explore that as a side hustle, especially with the frozen lashes that I get for the frosty face with whom we're Long talking to at 935. <laughs> and, uh, but we're asking you, have you ever been mistaken for somebody famous? Anything jumping out at you oh, here, Mr. Mackling? Absolutely. Helga says, years ago, my husband, daughter, and I took a trip to Memphis. It's Tennessee. Well, everywhere we went, people were pointing and staring. Finally, at one restaurant, somebody did ask, are you Jeff Bridges? My hubby Steve did look exactly like Jeff in Crazy Heart. Helga includes a picture of Jeff playing a guitar. And holy smokes, does he ever. It's like the dude. He's the dude, man. He's the dude. with the Bombers, and we are going to hit the ground running today. Johnny Augustine re-signed with the Blue Bombers just a few days ago. He will remain part of the team that has been to four straight Grey Cups. Will his partner in crime, Brady Oliveira, do the same? Christian O'Mell asked Johnny last night, so what's Brady going to do? Let's find out in about a half hour's time or so if Johnny has any secrets to share. Also coming up a bit later on at 8.05, we're going to talk about more about the security concerns at City Hall. We'll be joined by the Samara Center for Democracy. Lawyer Bob Sikalski joins us at 8.35 to talk about rights around cameras as it pertains to this home care situation. And then big show announcement at 9.05 and tickets to give away at 9.15. Right now we want to touch on uh, one of the top headlines at globalnews.ca and it has to do with Flair Airlines. And the CEO of Flair Airlines is defending the company amidst court documents showing it owes tens of millions in unpaid federal taxes. Global's Brianna Carstens Smith reports. Flair Airlines is once again having to defend itself as court documents surface showing it owes more than $67 million in federal taxes. The Canadian Revenue Agency has obtained an order for the seizure and sale of the Edmonton-based carrier's property. Yes, we owe owe them some money, uh, but we have a payment plan in place and we are fully current with that plans. The company's CEO says the taxes are import fees from bringing in more than a dozen Boeings. He insists the CRA will not be seizing any of its property. Just last March, four flare planes were repossessed over claims of missed payments. The company then launched a lawsuit against the leasing firms responsible. The mission that we've chosen, the purpose for our business, We've always known this was going to be a big mountain to climb. Um, And as I said, we're disrupting the existing players, but the industry itself is tough. It is not a good uh, business practice to have a tax debt, but I don't think that Flair is the only large business that has something like this. I certainly don't see it as directly affecting uh, Flair service to passengers. But air passenger rights advocate Gabor Lucas says passengers might be less willing to book a flight with the company, which could cost Flair even more. For all we know, they can have a billion dollars in the bank, but letting such an incident happen is something which is very damaging to to the uh, brand. A brand that has already seen some damage, but the CEO insists the company stands by its track record. The facts are there is no impact on our operation. Brianna Karsten-Smith, Global News. 
So, of course, this story catching a lot of people's attention. It's one of our top stories at globalnews.ca. And so it just so happened on the way in this morning, a little more conversation with Ben O'Hara Byrne. I'm listening. I'm going, oh, I think they're talking to, speaking with Stephen Jones, Flair Airlines CEO. Here's a little bit of that discussion. Uh, yes, look, firstly, what I want to make clear is that there is no way that the CRA is going to seize and sell our assets. It's a very um, uh, attention-grabbing headline, as you say, um, sensationalist, uh, and certainly um, sells stories, but it's not what's happening. Right. Um, what is happening is that we do have an amount outstanding with the CRA. Um, we have a very clear agreement with them around the repayment terms for that amount. Um, and we're current with that plan. Right. So in this case, um, is, is, are the figures correct? Are the figures correct? Yes, they are. Yes, okay. they are. Yeah. How, do, how does, and, and this has to do with the importation of those main aircraft that you use, obviously, the, the bulk of your fleet. Yeah, and, and look, I accept it looks like a big number, and, and it is a big number, but the airline industry deals in big numbers every day. So every one of our aircraft is 50 million US dollars. Um, as we import those aircraft into the country, it generates an importation duty that's payable, um, and it's that that this amount relates to. So we have billions of dollars of aircraft, and so while it seems a big number, it's, um, it's an industry of big numbers. Right. How does this work then with the CRA when it comes to these sorts of numbers? They clearly the CRA doesn't want to drive people out of business, right? But how does it, how does it work with a company such as yours? Uh, look, they've been really clear that they are interested in finding solutions that are satisfactory for both parties. That's their philosophy generally when um, uh, when chasing amounts that are in arrears. Um, and that's the, that's the approach they've taken with us. And so we've agreed a monthly payment that we will, um, we will make to them. It's a chunky monthly payment. Um, and, uh, and we've been making that. We're absolutely current with our, our payments with them. How does this, um, how does this impact the bottom line for you? I mean, has anything been seized yet? Have they, have they seized anything? No, and it's yours? not no. going to be. Right. It's not going to be. There's been nothing seized. There's nothing going to be seized. Um, it is really simply that language is, um, it seems, uh, you know, dramatic, but it's a backstop arrangement that the CRA put in place in situations like ours right. to ensure that if, you know, the worst came to the worst, they had some right to, to recover their money. But they're going to recover their money through us being a, a successful airline and, um, and, uh, repaying the, uh, the arrears. So should consumers in your mind be concerned? This guy doesn't sound concerned. But that's his job, right, Mm -hmm. is to ease your concern. Uh, The discount airlines work for some people. If you're on a tight, tight schedule and, you know, if you cannot handle a flight being delayed, not for two, three hours, but potentially being stuck wherever you are for two or three days, then it works. So, you know. I don't know if the risk is any greater now than it's been at any other point in time in terms of, of booking on Flair Airlines. They, there's a trade-off there in terms of uh, frequency of schedule when you book with Flair for sure. You can read more on this at globalnews.ca or cjob.com. At 7.13, let's take a peek at traffic and weather coming up in three minutes on The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. Greg Mackling coming up at 8.35. What are we doing there? 
We are going to explore a little bit more of this conversation about security cameras, cameras that we have in our own homes, in and around our houses for our own protection to see what's going on. Maybe we have kids we need to keep an eye on. Maybe we want to make sure that our property is safe uh, from intruders, burglars, vandals, that sort of thing. Where is the line as uh, the WRHA says, hey, if you want home care for your for your uh, family member, you're going to have to get rid of your cameras. This is what one Winnipeg couple's facing. We'll explore your rights as it pertains to cameras, not only filming others, but being filmed yourself. All right. Now, as we've been telling you in Global News, there are safety concerns at City Hall. Yesterday on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, they spoke with counselors Sherry Rollins and Janice Lukes. Luke says she feels so unsafe she keeps a hammer and a bat in her office. Both counselors have been the subject of threats. Both are concerned. There are few updated practices and procedures in place to deal with emergency situations. Panic buttons don't often work. And their concerns are shared by other members of council. And Mayor Scott Gillingham, by the way, also appeared on the news with Rich and Julie yesterday. He is promising there will be changes. So that's uh, one thing that uh, is on the minds of politicians and maybe aspiring politicians. In the meantime, let's discuss this with the Samara Center for Democracy, an organization that does research on politics in Canada to encourage greater political participation across our country. And one of the things they look at is political safety. Beatrice Wayne is research director for the Samara Center. Beatrice, good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Well, we appreciate your time. We, we want leaders, I think it's safe to say, to be part of our political process. There are several obstacles in my mind in attracting those people to run for office in the first place. And one of those issues has to be social, or as our colleague Kelly Moore calls it, unsocial media. We know you track <laughs> online abuse that politicians and aspiring politicians face. What kind of abuse and threats do you track? Uh, so we track online abuse directed towards candidates in federal, provincial, and municipal races through our SAMBOT initiative. Um, and through this initiative, we found, unfortunately, that frequently receiving abusive messages is really common for public officials and, and political candidates. So among the 3.7 million tweets we've monitored across federal, provincial, and municipal elections, we've identified over 620,000 abusive or toxic tweets. So just to give a sense of scale, in the 2021 federal election, we tracked an average of 511 toxic tweets per hour. Um, and it's important to put these numbers in context when we think about the magnitude of the problem. Of the thousands of abusive tweets sent to candidates and elected officials we observed through our initiative through SAMBOT, they were all just on one platform. So this doesn't include abusive messages sent via direct message, sent publicly or privately on other social media platforms, in comment section on news articles, and plus emails, phone messages, mail, and also the in-person interactions that officials have to navigate daily. So this is a big problem. How big is the problem in Winnipeg? So we tracked uh, the fall 2022 municipal election on Twitter and found that over the course of 35 days, uh, over 3,000 abusive tweets were sent, which was about 15% of the total tweets sent to candidates which is significant, again, when we're thinking this is just a small snippet of the political conversation happening. That's quite a bit of abuse. 
Yeah, sixth place uh, mayoral candidate Jenny Motkalek, in fact, received the highest volume abusive tweet of abusive tweets amongst uh, several candidates, including Scott Gillingham, the eventual winner, and Glenn Murray, who was uh, close second, uh, faced far more uh, negative uh, tweets and and uh, interactions. 432 versus uh, the now mayor 119, but it was Motkalek, uh, like almost uh, more than two times what Murray. So when we get back to that idea of putting yourself out there on the social media, Beatrice, it's clear that aspiring politicians and politicians who have a voice alike feel as though it's essential for them to have a presence on social media. Is that necessarily the case? And and what do they have to keep in mind while doing that? Absolutely. So I think that, you know, aspiring politicians want to connect to their constituents and we want them to connect to their constituents online. It's a really great tool for understanding what um, constituents want, being able to interact with like at a scale with many more people than they would necessarily in their constituency offices. But that means that that opens them up to a high levels of abuse as we've seen. So one thing that we've heard from politicians, we have another um, ongoing initiative called the MP Exit Interview Project, where we interview former MPs after they finish serving in office. And one thing that they've said is that they would like clearer policies and support around social media. So a question is, are uh, candidates or are political officials allowed to block users who send them abusive content? On one hand, the idea of politicians blocking users sounds as though a little bit dangerous. It could put a damper on online civic discussions. But what we find in practice is, as we've seen in the case of Winnipeg, it can also put a damper on um, uh, scaring people away from engaging in political discussions. Candidates can struggle to communicate policies online because civic dialogue really gets drowned out by threats, by identity attacks and slurs. So having really clear social media policies and having support for digital literacy for candidates and for um, elected officials, it would be really, really helpful. All right, Beatrice Wayne is with the Samara Centre for Democracy, Research Director for the Samara Centre. Beatrice, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your insight. Happy to be here. Thank you. Winnipeg couples say they were told they would have to turn off the security cameras in their home or risk getting home care cut off for the husband's elderly mother. Yeah, Glenn Ferris and his partner Jennifer say they get a visit from home care staff twice a week to take care of Glenn's elderly mother. When it was revealed that the pair had cameras in the home, Ferris says WRHA told them they had to they had to go, couldn't be used. We know cameras are everywhere, Brett. And what are your rights to place cameras yourself? to know where cameras are when you go elsewhere? And is there a workplace left which doesn't electronically monitor your activities somehow, some way? Questions need answers, and for these answers, we welcome back to the start Winnipeg lawyer Bob Sikalski, partner at Hill Sikalski Walsh LLP. Bob, good morning, sir. Good morning, fellas. So Happy let's, to be joining you. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate this very much. And, uh, well, why don't we just begin with our right to have cameras in our own home where is the line, if there is one? Well, when you have it in your own home, that's, uh, that's your entitlement. That's your property. That, that's an area over which you have control. And if uh, uh, the WRHA is insisting upon the cameras being turned off or removed, uh, that must be based on their terms of engagement. 
Uh, I, I don't know what the terms uh, of uh, home care are, but if that's part of a contract that you sign uh, and accept those terms, um, then then you're bound by those terms. But if there are not terms like that put in place, then I question the authority of the WRHA to insist upon those cameras being turned off. People put cameras in for a reason, and that reason is typically for security. And if people can't uh, be secure in their own homes with their own cameras, then in my respectful view, there's something wrong. Well, then let's flip the conversation. I'm an employee of, of Chorus Entertainment. I come to the workplace every single day. I have zero idea how many cameras I walk past every single morning, Bob. I understand it's a, a fact of life uh, within our building and within our parking structure. And then coming up on the elevator, I know that there are mon- there are cameras here monitoring my activity. They're probably looking for people who don't belong more than they're looking for me. But I also know they can monitor electronically keystrokes on my computer, my browser history. So, like, is there a job anywhere where we're not being monitored at, at, at this point? Probably not. Uh, the courts have weighed in on what is an unreasonable invasion of privacy. And if you are in your home, you're in your doctor's office, in your lawyer's office, in your dentist's office, you're in a private meeting with your employer. Uh, those are all areas where there would be a reasonable expectation of privacy, an area where you expect privacy, an area where um, the courts have said that that uh, if there was an invasion, if there was a recording, if there was a camera, that it would be regarded as highly offensive, causing distress, humiliation, or anguish. On the other hand, uh, if you were to go to... Uh, a place where the public is normally uh, welcome to uh, a sporting venue, to a shopping mall, a parkade. There is no reasonable expectation of privacy. The, uh, the Supreme Court has said this. One need only think of a photograph at a, of a crowd at a sporting event or a demonstration when comparing what is private and what is not private. And that was in a case where, where a young lady was photographed sitting on her front step on a beautiful brownstone home uh, in Montreal, and then she was featured in a magazine. Uh, the Supreme Court said that's an unreasonable invasion of privacy. But not so if you're at an event where the public is normally welcome. So if I go into a business that has a sign on the wall that says something like, smile, you're on camera, that's they're not doing it because they have to, but they're probably doing it just to let you know. So maybe don't act like an idiot. It would be a courtesy. Uh, I don't see a reason if uh, if you're going into a store. I, I don't I don't see a privacy claim there. There's no expectation of privacy in going into a store. And and I agree with you that the, the sign and we've all seen them uh, is, is probably indicative of uh, courtesy. Uh, this is someone in the this is a business in the retail market that doesn't want to take someone by surprise who may not be conversant with the laws relating to privacy. That, that would be my take on that. Bob, if memory serves me correctly, one of the last times we spoke to you had to do with sharing images you may have collected uh, as an example. Maybe your video camera of your driveway captures someone fiddling with the handles of your 
of your car, uh, the door handles on your car, maybe to see if it's unlocked. Maybe that's a courtesy. <laughs> maybe they're doing neighborhood watch or something. But we know that really the intention may be to, to break into your car. What is the caution there with regard to sharing those videos of people doing thing that, th- things that may be illegal? Well, if, if uh, those people are on your property, uh, you're certainly entitled to share that with the police, uh, whether you go so-called viral with that, uh, that's another interesting point. Uh, they're on your property. Uh, they have taken upon themselves to invade your privacy. Uh, and, and I don't see a legitimate basis for anyone to complain if that it were to be shared say, with the Neighborhood Watch program, as you mentioned, share with the neighborhood. If you've seen this individual in your yard, beware, because this is what this individual has done in my yard. Uh, that, that uh, to me, is, uh, is a legitimate reason and a, and, a, and a definite defense for sharing that type of video if it's on your property. And it's not just cameras, Bob. Like the keystrokes and mouse activity, our browser history, much of it is monitored at our workplace, whether that workplace is in the office or in a home office. Is there any recourse if we don't like that? Uh, yeah, you can vote with your feet and get another job. Uh, and uh, <laughs> for, for, forgive me for being a glib, but uh, that's the terms of engagement. When, uh, when you become employed, uh, at a business, and you're using the electronic and uh, facilities within that business, uh, then you've given up your right to privacy. You're you're there to work in the workplace, and uh, I can tell you that many employers have policies that stipulate that private activity, private email exchanges, are prohibited when in the workplace. You're there to work. And, and it's the employer's entitlement to, to have you do the work for which you're being compensated. The, uh, uh, the, the fact that, that what you're doing is being monitored is, is based on the fact that, that you're there in the employer's workplace and you are not in a private setting. Uh, I gave you examples before of a private setting where you may have a private meeting with, uh, with your boss, your immediate superior. And uh, if that were to be recorded without your knowledge, then I think there's a problem. Uh, that would be an unreasonable invasion of privacy. But if you're going about your, your tasks in your workplace that doesn't involve any privacy claim, then you've got no privacy claim, I'm afraid. We're sitting, speaking to microphones, uh, speaking to, to several people, hopefully listening right now. Cameras are one thing. What about microphones that we might not be aware of? It's, it's the same principle. It's the electronic. Same principle, really. Wow. Right, right. Uh, I, I give an example to uh, uh, people in the media when uh, having a conversation with someone and recording that conversation without their knowledge. If you don't reveal to the person that you're a member of the media, uh, then that would be an unreasonable invasion of privacy. If you phone the person and say, uh, I'm Greg Mackling from CGOB, and I'd like to talk to you about um, 
privacy invasion, for example. And, uh, and then the, uh, the, the, the recording is turned on and the person talks. The person can't later complain and say, well, I didn't know you were recording. Well, look, I'm the media. I'm calling you to ask you questions for the public, to relay to the public. So uh, in that case, for sure, there's no invasion of privacy. But if, if you, you phone someone up and you are Greg, Greg Mackling and uh, you start talking to them, but you portray yourself as uh, the furnace repairman who, uh, who uh, is, is looking to develop some business and uh, then go into some discussion about what is happening in the neighborhood, well, that's an unreasonable invasion of privacy. So the, those are those are examples uh, when we're talking about recording. Hopefully that, that helps your listeners out. Absolutely it does, as it always does when you join us, Bob. We appreciate you immensely. Thank you so much. Happy to help out, guys. Reminder, we're asking you if you've ever been mistaken for somebody famous and Debbie going into one of your many backyards. Debbie says, years ago when I was dating my now husband, we decided to go to Earl's for dinner, Greg. Okay. Debbie says, as we were sitting waiting for our food, our server came up and just looked at us, ran off. We could see the cooks in the kitchen pointing at us and whispering. (laughs) Seemed odd. After a few minutes, our server came out and asked if my husband, asked my husband if he was Doug Flutie. Of course, he was a very popular CFL player at the time, Mm -hmm. and my husband did resemble him. We said no, but looking back, perhaps we would have received our meals for free if we said he was. We did have a cereal box with Flutie's picture on it for years after and often had a laugh about it once in a while. You got to take advantage of those things when you can. At uh, Earl's and Vernon back in the day, we had someone, one of my best friends was a cook. Kirk McLean of the Canucks was his favorite player. There happened to be a guy in the restaurant that looked exactly like Kirk McLean, got him to sign an autograph and everything, tricked <laughs> Dean for like three years. Somebody finally told him that that that's not Kirk McLean's autograph. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Mackling and McGarry, and we're going to talk touch on something else weather-related in a moment. But before that, we've been telling you all morning, we have a show announcement and tickets to give away. As you know, the Great Outdoors Comedy Festival heads to Assiniboine Park July 19th to the 21st, and they have just announced their July 19th lineup, and it includes... Comedian Tom Segura. Tom! Tom! <laughs> If you know Tom's comedy, he's got this great skit where he imitates his his wife. Tom. Tom. Okay. He's great. Segura joins an already stellar lineup, which includes Bill Burr, July 20th, Nate Bargetzi on July 21st, and Jerry D. We got to have Jerry D back on the show. I love Jerry D. It's on Netflix, by the way. His show, Mr. D. It's oh, on yeah? Netflix now. First four seasons. It's stellar. Uh, Jerry performs on the 21st. Tickets go on sale Friday, February 2nd at 10 a.m. Presale runs a Thursday, the 1st, 10 a.m. to 11.59 p.m. And the code is... How about this? C-J-O-B. We're also going to have an online contest for Tom Segura tickets, too, so head to cjob.com for that. 
And we will give away our first pair for the week for July 19th, coming up in our next segment. So in about 10 minutes' time, we're asking you, have you ever been mistaken for somebody famous? And just to quickly recap something that Sarah brought up in her newscast, if you missed it or if it just sort of blew past you, uh, the River Trail. It's you know <laughs> maybe January 30th, but... Definitely not feeling like winter with a high of four degrees today. The Forks has shut down all of its skating trails. So they just opened the port rink on Thursday, but now that's closed. And all of their on-land trails are closed. We speculated about this even last week when they announced that they were opening the river trail itself. Um, I mean, fantastic part, essential part of Winnipeg winter, even though we were without the trails in 2020. Uh, this is something that so many of us look forward to doing at least once in the winter. But we did speculate with the forecast, the way it was looking. Like, how long is it going to be bef- before they have to close them again once yeah. they got them? Well, we got our answer in the last few minutes here. So it's unfortunate. And normally you do have those online uh, on land trails to fall back on. But even those are going to be closed as we take a look at, at the forecast, right? Those four degree highs and, and as high as plus six. For the weekend, so it's a little disappointing for a lot of folks, I'm sure. No more so than for the forks themselves. Oh, yeah. Like, I was there. I walked down there last night just to have a a peek and see what was going on. And um, that ice, it was so wet. And so I was wondering, is that just melty or have they flooded it? But um, hopefully this is temporary. Like, yes, we're going to be above zero for for the daytime highs for... Looks like potentially up to next Tuesday, Wednesday, and then it drops back below zero. Will that be enough for them to reopen this stuff? Or will this week of of milder weather be enough to shut it down for the season? I've shared my tales of the ODR at Isaac Brock over the years. And, uh, you know, we had some of the best outdoor ice anywhere, but it was critical like you want to play, right? Once mm-hmm. you get the taste of a little bit of spongy or if you like to skate, um, we would have one rink that typically would be locked up. It was behind in the summertime. It was the basketball and tennis courts. Yeah. And so it would be locked. It had a fence on all four sides. And that was like game ice for house league and that sort of thing. So it was always tantalizing. Like you wanted to get on that ice. But it was so important that when they said that the rinks were closed, that you didn't sneak onto them because it's so much work to get the rinks playable in the first place. And the last thing you need is boot prints and skate prints and, and, and all sorts of damage done to the ice because that might be it for the rest of the year. Oh, wow. So it's, it's pretty important that, that people respect the fact that, that it's closed. It's not the perimeter highway where people like to flout the idea that the highway is closed. Uh, if the forks is saying these, these trails are closed, uh, Please respect that because it could cause a a world of hurt on the other side of this when things cool down again. Yeah, and it's just it, it got to suck for those who were who were able to at least get a taste of it. I mean, geez, I haven't been on skates since I was a kid, but I do remember. Even though I never I never played competitive hockey, I loved going to various rinks. There'd be uh, one of them was Pirates. In Transcona. Oh, yeah, Pirates. Yeah. That was on Rosso. Another one was at uh, Maple Leaf on Kildare, which is now they've, uh, the the community center that was there is gone. 
the and they've they've sort of converted that into a and it's been years since that was gone and now it's just a really nice park. But I was always at the rink, just you know, horsing around. And I loved getting out there and putting my skates on. So uh, for those who like are super into that, of course, my primary activity now is golf. So I look forward to summer. But if skating and playing outside hockey or whatever, just getting out there and enjoying the stuff is what you look forward to the most, it's got to be tough. So feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. And then at 9.35, we'll have to ask Frosty Face about this. We're going to be joined by Frosty Face, who has a terrific social media page on Instagram, Frosty Face MB, that celebrates with the joy of winter. We have uh, one of our, uh, a couple of uh, uppity-up, muckety-mucks from management from Vancouver <laughs> in this morning. And Is I was, that on their cards? Yeah, not yet. Okay. Uh, making a, a proposal to have that uh, as part of their business card. But uh, I said, you know, the typical Winnipeg Joe, you know, uh, warm enough for you? And uh, Dustin said, yeah. I'm starting to wonder if this whole idea of Winnipeg ever being cold. He says, the last two times I've been here in the wintertime, it's been around zero. I said, well, it's mostly a myth anyway, the way the rest of Canada speaks about us. <laughs> but he he did admit to being a little bit disappointed that his, his manhood wouldn't be challenged a little bit more <laughs> with regard to the temperature. <laughs> and there's something to that. I honestly, I, I think I go for more walks the colder it is. Because I feel like, all right, let's do this. You're not going to win. Yeah, you won't beat me, Winter. And then when I finish that walk and I get home and I've got the frozen eyelashes, I feel like I've accomplished something. It's an interesting point of view. And it's great. Like, you're just wearing all that heavy gear. Like, you're carrying extra weight just walking around. You're like a boxer. Out yeah. there running with the garbage bag on to, to lose extra weight. Listening to the Rocky Four training montage <laughs> as I make my way around in minus 30. It's Mackling and McGarry. Have you ever been mistaken for someone famous like Global Sam Brunel? who is often mistaken for which Winnipeg Jet? Dylan Samberg. So it's kind of cool. Sam Samberg. Uh, Sammy is uh, Samberg's nickname. Lots of connections there. Okay, so we got lots to get through in three minutes' time, starting with runner-up Kid Remington. Okay, have you ever been? Oh, yes. I got mistaken for Keith Urban in Grand Forks. He was playing there, and I was looking out my hotel window. A group of girls were on the ground, obviously going to the concert and getting into a car. One looked up, saw me in the window. She got in the car, and the car started rolling, then stopped. All of them looked and got out, looked up. At the car, mm, sorry, they looked up at me from the car. I'm reading this cold. One waved and pointed at their shirt, a Keith Urban shirt. I gave a thumbs up and waved, and they all went nuts. My brother came over and acted like a manager immediately, closing the curtains to keep the joke going. It was awesome. That's cool. And Jeff R. with a local connection here. says, when I was younger, I looked like broadcaster Stan Kubacek. People were always saying, hi, Stan. I went to Folklorama. The MC says, "We, the mayor sitting to the right of me, Bill Norrie, and we have TV weatherman Stan Kubitschek <laughs> to my left. My girlfriend said, they think you're Stan. So I stood up and waved and said, have a good one. Fabulous. And then another runner up here is Steve, who says, this topic this morning is crazy because over my lifetime, I have been accosted dozens upon dozens of times because I look like a number of people, I guess, in my early adulthood. I looked, at, looked and acted. 
like radar from MASH. I even carried a clipboard, and I had a teddy bear, and the glasses, and I have friends across Canada who still know me only as Radar. Then in my university years, I became Les Nessman, the geeky news guy from WKRP in Cincinnati. He's also been called Truman Capote, says Steve. But for most of my life, I've been confused with Elton John and my travels worldwide. And it's funny that it's Elton John because Sarah had that story about uh, Elton John and Bernie Taupin being awarded the Gershwin Prize. But he says, uh, in my travels worldwide on foreign street corners and shopping centers and stores right here in Winnipeg, you name it, some awkward yet funny moments. Saturday night's all right. I am like a candle blowing in the wind. But the clincher is that my name is... My middle name is Eugene, usually shortened to Gene because of the way that I look to this day. I am known by many of my friends as Elton Gene and even sent a picture uh, of a poster that was given to him on retirement from his workplace where they, they made it look like a, like a, like a, an album that had gone platinum yeah, yeah. and uh, put it with the letters Elton Gene. Fabulous. That's pretty cool. So, Steve, tough to... To top that, but I think Teresa is our winner, Greg. While my family and I were vacationing in Capri, Italy 15 years ago, my Italian mother was mistaken for a famous Italian soap star at our hotel. At any attempts to tell them that she was not this famous person, they insisted that she was. They they gave her and the family the royal treatment and also paid for everything. It was definitely an experience to remember. Believe it or not, they covered the tab for everything. Granted, we were only there for a quick two-day stint, but hey, anything free is a win. Are you kidding me? And I don't think they they even know <laughs> mom looked like. Like, this is great. I know. We got to find out who this person <laughs> is. And I wonder if the hotel ever figured it out that it wasn't her, like after the fact. It's like Ocean's 13. Yeah. And would they try to come after them then? Listen, you frauds. Well, we told you. Tried to tell you. I tried to tell mm-hmm. you. So Teresa wins the tickets for the Great Outdoors Comedy Festival for July 19th to see comedian Tom Segura. It is Mackling and McGarry. We'll check in with Hal Anderson, the host of Connecting Winnipeg, in our next segment to find out what's coming up just after 10 o'clock. But one of the reasons why we mentioned the seasonal highs and the seasonal lows, because this forecast, like it's January 30th. Uh, I didn't wear mitts walking home yesterday. Had my boots on because it's messy out, but I didn't have long johns on. No long johns. No long johnnies. Didn't need a toque. And it's weird. It is weird. And on one hand, I don't mind. But on another, it really, it definitely feels like something has been missing this winter. And I was just wondering, like, there's a guy I really want to ask how he's doing this winter. Because he does such a wonderful job at celebrating winter with his amazing social media profile, Frosty Face Manitoba. Well, let's welcome back to the start. Frosty Face himself. We were talking about our favorite villains the other day. I I forgot about Chris (laughs) Bouvillain. Joins us now. Chris, how are you? How you doing, brother? Uh, That was uh, quite the intro. Thank you. Well, you know, we aim to please. We try to be a little bit different on this program. Uh, This winter, you know, the news in the last half hour or so that the Forks is shutting down. Not only the river, River Trail, but all the skating trails uh, up on the land uh what's the winter like been for you my friend 
Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned uh, you know me being a villain because uh, normally people at this time of year are freaking out because it's so cold, and this year they're freaking out because it's so warm. So uh, yeah, it's been a weird one. It's um, uh, you know uh, normally winter has set in and we're all out tobogganing and skiing, and I think uh, I'm getting a sense from a lot of people that uh, there's something missing this year. So uh, we still have a lot of winter left. Uh, we have to remember that uh, normally we don't get uh, that really nice sort of spring weather change until May. So we got a couple months, but it definitely there's, there feels like something's missing this year. Have you been sad? Like I know you, like you and your family just love winter, right? <laughs> well, we do. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's been years ago since I've I've sort of changed my outlook on on the weather. I don't look at the weather as uh, you know putting me in a good mood or bad mood. I, I look at the weather and and then determine what I need to go outside. Uh, this year, though, it's been a little bit more of a challenge to find that, uh, you know, that snow that remains or finding the skating. But, you know, uh, there's been less snow, and so the, the, the skating rinks out on the lakes have been great this year. Um, the fog has been amazing this year, the frost. So there, there are definitely beautiful things to appreciate this year, but uh, winter activities are a little lacking, yeah. Now just to follow up, you say because there's less snow that's made the, the, the waterways better? Well, I'm not going to tell people to go out on the waterways right now because it's definitely getting soft. Uh, but this year, yeah, the, the lakes, uh, they didn't have any snow on them. Uh, and so there were people skating across some of these lakes. We're out in the white shell and people were going all the way across the lake. It was pretty amazing. So I've seen a couple of posts from you on your Instagram uh, with a, a, a square. Is a hole? Can a hole be square? I guess so. <laughs> a square hole in the ice <laughs> where you and your family like to jump in to the water. Tell us about this uh, ritual. Sure. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I committed to swimming and I, I use that word, uh, you know, lightly. It's not really a swim. It's more of a jump in and out, but uh, at least once every month for a calendar year. And I made it and I try and do it every year. This year, I haven't been able to do it because we've been busy, but um, we cut a hole in the ice and then we all go in. And the neat thing is, is um, we, we spent a lot of time in the white shell and uh, the first year everyone thought we were crazy. And the next year a neighbor came out and next year two neighbors came out. And this year there were half a dozen people to, to, to try it. So we've got a little sort of, we call it, uh, you know, the Skinner spa, which is uh, the, the, the family cottage in the, in the white shell. And we all go uh, swimming and it's kind of a, a known thing where everyone comes and goes for a bit of a dip. I'm scrolling back a little bit further and the size of this saw, this manual saw, where on earth did you acquire this thing? How big is it? Can you paint us a, a radio picture as I look at the, this picture of you cutting the ice? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big saw. It's under an antique shop and it's, an, it's a proper old school um, saw for cutting ice like they used to uh, do back in the day and ship all over the world. Uh, I found it in an antique shop and got it sharpened up, but it's, um, I think it's a good uh, the, the cutting edge is five feet and it's uh, seven and a half feet long. And then we've got some ice tongs and the kids get in there too. And we pull out the ice chunks and uh, make a nice little uh, swimming hole. So as you've been doing these plunges, have you, because we, you know, we've heard that of the benefits of these cold water plunges or taking a cold bath after a workout. So do you feel the benefits from that or is it just a, just a winter thrill for you? You know, I've been looking at some of the research, and it's not really conclusive. Uh, but I, I will say that when you when you come out of the water, and you you know when you jump into cold water, and your whole body constricts, and you feel that it all, it almost stings and it hurts. But you get out, and your body's reaction just sort of gets the blood pumping and flowing, and it's amazing. You can be out there in minus twenty, and your body just starts steaming, and you feel hot and warm, and you just feel like that jolt of being alive. 
Um, I mean, he needs to get in a blanket or in a, in a sauna or in a warm cabin pretty quick. I wouldn't suggest you go hang out for 20 minutes wet out on the ice. But that initial plunge, and the neat thing, too, is that, uh, you know, people see it as extreme, but the colder it gets, the warmer the water feels because the water doesn't go below zero. So, you know, when it's minus, uh, minus 10, minus 20, minus 30, the water is still zero degrees. Of course. Otherwise, it would be ice. That, that, that's <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy, folks. Yeah. Uh, that's great stuff. Captain obvious, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. It, it, seems, I, yeah. I, I was... it seems obvious until you lay it out as, as well as you did. Do you remember the first time you did that and, and the circumstances under which you tried it? Yeah, so the where we are in the white shell, we don't have running water. So the first year we were out there in really cold weather, we cut a hole in the ice just to get a bit of water. And I thought, you know, I'm I'm putting a, it's a lot of work to cut. You know, the the, the saw looks pretty uh, mean and aggressive. It's still a lot of work. So I cut a hole in the ice and I was sweating. And I was like, you know what? I might as well make it a little bit bigger and try it. And I did it. Um, I grew up in Alberta and we used to, to go hiking in the mountains all the time. And I used to remember uh, jumping in these glacier-fed uh, lakes. And so the cold water has always sort of been with me. And I've always told my kids, you know, if you can't enjoy cold water, you're going to have a very short season here in Canada. So whenever you see that opportunity, jump in. And then I can't kind of be one of those dads that's, you know, like, hey, do it without doing it. So I had to, you know, maybe show an example. I'm going to have to keep that in mind even the next time I try to get in the pool in my apartment complex because I'm a huge wimp when it comes to that stuff. So I salute you and your family, uh, Chris. Our guest, by the way, is Frosty Face Manitoba, Chris Beauvillain, and uh, the web the, the page on Instagram is Frosty Face MB. And, you know, and we, we, Greg referenced the forks and the trails and the skating trails. I know that you often uh, get involved in some of the river trail stuff going on in your neighborhood, were you able to do any of that, or have you been able to do any of that this year? It's been a lot slower, and the river was slow to freeze up this year, and then it's soft. Uh, so we're really telling people to, um, and we don't control the river, so people, uh, you know, approach that at their their own um, prerogative there. But um, yeah, it's. I would recommend people don't go on the river. It's been really slow this year. We went for an amazing skate last weekend, and we're hoping it's not the last one. Um, we'll see what happens next week. I think, you know, the first time we connected with you, it was all around a conversation about Manitoba trying to do a better job of embracing winter and marketing winter because this is pretty unique, the things that we get to do in Manitoba. My buddy came from California six, seven years ago, and he'll tell anyone who will listen uh, that he got to skate on the Assiniboine River. And then, of course, he's got the pictures and the video to prove it. It's a unique experience. So I think we've done a really good job over the last decade of embracing winter. But now here we are with one of these warmer winters. Have you become a little bit of a meteorologist? Are you hopeful winter might come back, that this isn't, in in fact, uh, first spring, uh, last spring sort of situation? Well... Yeah, I mean, like I said, I really try not to get down about the weather because I have no control over it. I am secretly hoping that we get some some proper cold just to be able to enjoy the winter. This shoulder season, I don't have favorites again, but, you know, the shoulder seasons, uh, uh, that sort of time before spring comes, everything's wet and brown and gross. There's not a lot going on. The fields are wet, so you can't play outdoor sports, uh, but it's not cold enough to enjoy the, the, the cold weather. We've got three months until, you know, that first prairie crocus comes out, and so I am hoping that we get you know, a little bit of that um, uh, winter weather back and we can we can really enjoy it. 
Uh, and, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think that Manitoba and Winnipeg is in this really amazing place where uh, most people on the planet have thrown a snow or sorry, uh, have seen a uh, palm tree, but very few have thrown a snowball. And it's one of those things that's a unique experience that we really are. I think in the last decade, I agree with you, are being so much better at really embracing it and also seeing the beauty of winter. Uh, and so my experience this year is everyone's sort of missing it. So I think we're all crossing our fingers that we get another little cold spell. And before we let you go, Chris, I think Greg had one more follow-up on, what'd you call it, Greg? The, something about the shoe shine? Manitoba shoe shine. I think one of the last times we spoke to you, I owe you a tutorial on what a Manitoba shoe shine is with the using the snow bank to shine your shoes. You know, they get a little bit dirty. And as opposed to getting a cloth, just stick it in the snow bank. And I haven't had an opportunity to do it this year. So I, uh, I pledge to you, Chris, I will get you uh, the tutorial on the Manitoba shoe shine, uh, hopefully this winter still. Oh, I love that. That just made my day. I've got, uh, you know, I've got a list of all of these winter uh, sayings or the, these winter experiences. And I, di- I didn't know that one. I know the, you know, the booter and there's a whole bunch of winter ones, but the Manitoba shoe shine, that's great. I love it. <laughs> right on. Chris Bovillain, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate the time. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. All right. Frosty Face Manitoba, Chris Bovillain. Go to his Instagram page, Frosty Face MB. And if you ever want to be featured on his social media, oh, yes. just uh, put a picture on your Instagram and then hashtag it or, or just tag him at Frosty Face MB. And uh, he might just add it to his story. I've, I've taken a couple of. Uh, just super close-up shots to get the, the frozen eyelashes and the frozen eyebrows uh, because that's the only thing that's exposed is my eyes when it's that when it gets down to like minus 25, minus 30. I've got a face warmer on that's black, at least under the all of the frozen ice that's on it. So, yeah, yeah well, do, do yourself a favor and follow uh, Chris at Frosty Face MB because uh, some of the pictures are, are spectacular. Not only is it a great site, but like the, the actual photography is, is very good also. Mackling and McGarry, let's say hello to the host of Connecting Winnipeg, Hal Anderson. Hi, Hal. Hi, lots coming up on the show. I've been waiting all morning to weigh in on your uh, conversation this morning. Who have you been mistaken for? Would you like to hear mine? Yes. Okay. Uh, 20, 25 years ago, so things have obviously changed, right? Um, I was at Power 97, and I remember vividly getting out of my old beat-up limo, which was actually just a funeral car, um, at one of the downtown bars, and I, I got out. Now, this is back in the day when I had cappuccino colored and permed hair, right? The mullet was looking beautiful, and I was much uh, smaller then. Uh, <laughs> certainly not now, but I remember climbing out of the limo, and a bunch of girls uh, on the uh, outside deck there said, Look, it's Ron Jeremy! <laughs> Who, of course, is a porn star. And uh, how did you yeah. prove that you weren't well, on Jeremy? Well, how if if they only knew there was no porn star life there, I'll tell you that. That's uh, <laughs> that's for sure. But yes, Ron Jeremy, I was I was uh, confused with the porn star at one point. Um, anyhow, I just all morning I've been chuckling, uh, <laughs> wanting to, and, and I think it was more like, "Are you kidding me?" I think I looked at them and went, "Are you nuts? Like, come on, are you sure?" They, they've obviously had a lot to drink. It was at a downtown bar. Hey, uh, I really enjoy your conversation with Sako Bob Sokolsky about the cameras and your rights. Of course, the WRHA has told this home care client, "Turn off the cameras, or you don't get home care." 
So we'll get into that. We'll talk about the two councillors and the mayor now, Scott Gillingham, agreeing that City Hall needs to be safer. Joe Daly is going to join us. We're going to talk with him about that cool hockey card discovery in that basement in Regina. Later on today, we will meet Winnipeg's newest millionaire, $5 million Lotto 649 winner. That uh, news conference will be held at 1.30 this afternoon and uh, a bunch of other stuff as well, including all the trails at the Forks have closed. River trails, land trails. We'll talk to Zach Peters from the Forks on the show today. Two hours of radio coming up here. It's a pretty good show right after the news at 10. Question of the day at CJOB.com, by the way. Just updated. The McRib is back. Thoughts? Yes, I love it. <laughs> I'm take it or leave it. I've never had one. I might try it. It's an awful sandwich, or I don't care. Cast your vote at CJOB.com. Who wrote that question of the day? I just wonder. I'm going to go out in the newsroom and ask nobody, because I know who, <laughs> who did it.